You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Consensus emerges over December cyber attack on the power grid in western Ukraine. U.S. policymakers look for technical fixes to jihadist information operations, but the jihadists' message is also being carried on dead trees. Some major vendors patch their products, but remember, support for older versions of Microsoft's Internet Explorer ends tomorrow. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire Daily Podcast for Monday, January 11th, 2016. As expected, the emerging consensus over late December's rolling blackouts in western Ukraine moved decisively towards the conclusion initially reached by ESET and iSight partners that the affected Oblast grid sustained a cyber attack. The SANS Institute's Influential Industrial Control Systems blog says, We assess with high confidence based on company statements, media reports, and first-hand analysis that the incident was due to a coordinated, intentional attack. The blackouts appear to have been accomplished by malware that enabled attackers to access breaker control systems, turning them on and off at will. Other bits of malware, including the much-commented-on kill-disk component of the Black Energy Kit and other attacks, like the telephony denial of service the affected utility suffered, served as misdirection. Ukraine's government expects to comment on the power grid hack after it finishes its investigation, which it expects to complete on January 18th. If indeed this incident represents a state-mounted cyber attack, what sort of response would be proportionate and justified? This question arises when considering many incidents. Take, for example, the recently discovered Iranian incursion into dam control systems in Rye, New York. Just Security, from the Center for Human Rights and Global Justice at New York University School of Law, considers whether that episode should be considered an act of war. The short answer is no, but the question is, as they say, complicated. The Talon Manual, which has emerged as an influential guide to NATO thinking on the matter, holds that a cyber attack need not be physically destructive to constitute, quote, use of force, but also stops short of drawing any bright lines in the matter. And so the conclusion in the Just Security piece is that the Rye incident wasn't an act of war, but that it also could warrant what lawyers call retortion, a response that's at once unfriendly and lawful, perhaps comparable cyber reconnaissance. German intelligence services resume cooperation with U.S. services after an interruption brought on by objections to U.S. electronic surveillance of German and other friendly European targets. A group of jihadis based in Germany have begun publishing a magazine devoted to cryptography. While explicitly denying adherence to ISIS, the publishers nonetheless expect their work to be useful to colleagues in cyber jihad. The focus of such jihad continues to remain inspiration, which falls within the realm of information operations, and how to counter the ISIS narrative remains a conundrum for opposing security services. 
Counter-narrative operations appear on early reports to have been a point of interest in Friday's White House outreach to Silicon Valley, with particular emphasis on denying ISIS inspiration, its platform, and social media. But it may be wayward to conceive of this as principally a technical challenge. The Daily Beast, for one, points out that the decidedly old-school, dead-tree ISIS magazine Dabiq enjoys a wide following. The message in this case seems to trump the medium. Among social media firms, Twitter especially finds itself between a free-speech rock and a counter-terror hard place. Its contretemps with Turkey's government over Kurdish pro-independent tweets shows the practical impossibility of accommodating irreconcilable interests. Nothing new over the weekend from Anonymous and its declared war on ISIS, but the anarchist collective did find time to hit Nigerian government sites to protest what Anonymous views as that government's corruption. In the UK, Labour opposition leader Jeremy Corbyn's Twitter account was briefly hijacked to express a range of puerile, semi-obscene commentary on the news of the day. Corbyn and Labour have since wrested control of the account. The Ravnik's Trojan continues to worry Japanese banks, that nation's distinctive language no longer serving as an effective linguistic moat around its financial system. Other countries go on their guard against similar Ravnik's infestations. GPS, the global positioning system managed by the United States, has long enjoyed a security advantage over the competing GLONASS and Galileo systems. But an increase in GPS blocking and spoofing tools has begun to erode that security. Passcode reports on plans to shore up GPS through development of backup systems. Users of social media are again cautioned against oversharing, which can render them vulnerable to social engineering, password or security question-guessing, and other threats and a long piece in The New Yorker on confidence games offers an occasion for reflection on how very old forms of fraud find new outlets in cyberspace. Brian Krebs takes an interesting look inside the boiler rooms of cyber criminals' call centers. Fluency in the mark's native language is at a premium. Juniper Networks is dropping its reliance on a weak backdoored encryption scheme. Mozilla deals with the consequences of too hasty SHA-1 deprecation, consequences which Google, in contrast, seems to have anticipated. VMware and Apple both issue security upgrades. And tomorrow marks the end of Microsoft support for versions 8, 9, and 10 of Internet Explorer. The U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration finishes its study of last year's proof-of-concept hack of Jeep vehicles. They conclude that only Jeeps were vulnerable, but car manufacturers continue to show increased sensitivity to hacking. General Motors has asked security researchers to help it look for and fix automotive software bugs. In legal news, Romanian police, with an assist from Europol, take down a major ATM hacking gang. In the U.S., there's more trouble over the classification of former Secretary of State Clinton's emails. Judges find lack of precedent complicating the sentences they hand down for convicted hackers. Lack of precedent seems to trouble the courts in a way analogous to that in which lack of actuarial data troubles insurance companies trying to price cyber risk transfer. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. 
Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me is John Petrick, editor of the CyberWire. John, I know we go through our days uh, and we don't really think about GPS, the global positioning system. It's just become a part of our everyday lives, but um, it hasn't really been around that long. No, it's new that the first real operational use of the global positioning system was by the United States military in the first Gulf War. In today's CyberWire, uh, there was information about uh, passcode reporting on plans to shore up a GPS, uh, developing backup systems for it. Why is that important and how does that relate to cybersecurity? It's important because of all the things we use GPS for. It not only provides you with driving directions, but it provides geolocation information for Google Maps, for all kinds of applications that we don't even think about anymore. Just give us a rundown. What is GPS and how does it work? A good way of thinking about GPS is to think of it as an artificial form of celestial navigation, that the GPS system orbits 31 satellites in a constellation, and each one of those satellites carries a highly precise, highly synchronized atomic clock, and they're constantly sending out a signal from that clock. So the GPS receiver in your car system or in your phone is getting the signal from four satellites. It's comparing time of transmission to time of arrival, and it's deriving from that your location on the ground, your location on the surface of the Earth, in much the same way that celestial navigators back in the age of sail would have kept a highly precise chronometer synchronized with the Royal Observatory at Greenwich's chronometer to enable them to determine latitude and longitude by taking a variety of celestial observations. And all of this is being done automatically for you. And the ability to do that depends upon your ability to receive unblocked signals from those satellites. So why would someone uh, go about blocking the signals or spoofing them? People do that for all kinds of reasons or might do it for all kinds of reasons. There was a case in Newark, New Jersey that Pascode talks about in which uh, the Newark airport was finding that the GPS signals were being blocked at unusual intervals around the airport. So what was it? At first they thought it was an equipment failure, but no, it wasn't an equipment failure, nor was it some kind of natural interference. It turned out that there are little blockers uh, that you can buy to block a GPS signal Hmm. locally. The guy in this case who was found to be blocking it was a guy who was driving a truck for an engineering firm who really didn't want his bosses tracking what he was doing and where he was going during the day. So that was the cause of the problem in that case. So this guy is just just trying to get a little private time, and in the meantime, he's, uh, he's endangering aircraft at an airport. Yeah, evidently that's what the case was. 
So what people are thinking about is they're thinking about because GPS is so valuable and so pervasive and more reliable, candidly, than the alternatives like the Russian GLONASS system or the European Space Agency's Galileo system, what can we do to have a backup for it? Well, you could boost the signal strength. Uh, Boosting signal strength is one common way of just burning through jamming. You could develop an alternative backup system that would provide insurance if GPS were generally blocked or jammed. There's an old legacy terrestrial system called Loran that old sailors would be familiar with. Loran is one possible alternative. If you upgraded Loran, uh, that might serve to back up GPS. Both the British and the Republic of Korean governments have spent some money backing up Loran as an alternative to GPS. The U.S. had plans for doing something similar, but uh, cut that for budgetary reasons recently. So we'll see how that develops and see what comes in the future. All right, John Petrick, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to share your feedback now.